Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. And I'm all by myself here in the studio again tonight. Don't worry. Amber will be back soon. We're just working on the schedule thing here. We've had some scheduling snafus. uh, But that'll all be ending very soon, I promise. Uh, I still wanted to do a show tonight, though. I really wanted to do something. And and I was really, really lucky that uh, the one and only Morgan Lee Knudsen uh, was nice enough to spend some time with me here tonight on Ghostly Talk. Uh, Next level conversation. And I was really, it was a real pleasure and real honor to have her here on the show. Morgan Lee Knudsen has been involved in the world of paranormal phenomena for over 16 years. She is the founder of Entity Seeker Paranormal Research and Teachings, as well as the world-renowned Teaching the Living program for clients. Morgan brings classes and presentations on this phenomena to a new level with inspiring lectures that include fire demonstrations, mind-blowing evidence, and uplifting stories. Morgan makes audiences recognize that managing who they are on the inside directly impacts what they experience on the outside and to re-examine the world they thought they knew. I couldn't agree with her more on that sentiment, and we talk about a lot, about a lot of that idea, about that, that headspace, let's say, uh, in the conversation we had tonight. Enjoy. Morgan, first off, I'd like to say thank you, thank you, thank you, and another thank you for coming here to spend some time with us here on Ghostly Talk. We really appreciate it. Uh, how are you tonight? Really good, and I'm really glad you guys asked me. It's, it's always a lot of fun to do stuff like this, and it's great to just meet new people, and yeah, it's, yeah. so it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, and, you know, the bulk of what we're going to talk about tonight, and I really, I'm looking for, I really... You know, when it comes to the paranormal, and I think a lot of people run into this. I know I did uh, years ago, and I and every once in a while, sometimes I do run into this wall where you feel like you've just you've maybe talked about or um, or researched or just you know brainstormed whatever you want to call it uh, everything you can in this field, which we both know is ridiculous because it's a it's a endless pit. <laughs> yeah, sure. Is. I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's an endless pit. But I think I know what's happened to me uh over the years where I just have run into play where I'm like I just, you know, man, is is there anything else we can talk about with this thing, right? Uh and you know, that's kind of the reason we started doing this show again years ago is cuz yeah, we did realize there's more stuff to talk about. There's more work to be done, I think, right? No, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because I I think you're right. I've known so many people in that same boat where they have been really just they feel like they've just burned out of the the subject or they're burned out of the criticism or or something like that. Yeah. And um, sorry, I took a shot of water while you were talking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And burnout is kind of like, yeah, I guess what I said was a nicer way of saying burnout. Yeah. And it's very easy to burn out because I, I. it's a given these things I'm about to say uh, they're, they're all a given 
there's it's very likely that you know none of us are ever really going to get any answers to any of these questions we have in our lifetimes. I'm not trying to sound negative, but it's a, it very much is a reality. I think now I could be very wrong, and I kind of hope I am. I really hope I, mean, I am wrong, but I I think this could be a quest a lot of us are on that we may not really get some answers from. That doesn't mean it's not worth taking the adventure, though. And that's a, that's a given, right? Well, yeah, and I think I think. The idea of, you know, and I think so many people fall into that that catch where they think, okay, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna eventually get it done, and I'm gonna have all the answers. And at the end of the day, it, there is really no subject that's gonna be like that. Yeah. I remember a number of years ago, I had a, a conversation with a friend of mine because I'm I'm very much an artistic person. I'm, I do a lot of uh, fire arts and all sorts of different things. I cool. draw and whatever. And you know, and she really, really wanted to be a drummer. And she had this idea that it was like, she was going to get into drumming and she was going to learn the lessons, you know, take a set of steps, practice drumming, and then she was going to master drumming. And I said, that's, that's, you've got this backwards. Like the, the joy in the journey and it is the joy in the journey. And if, especially in things like parapsychology and the arts as well, you are never, ever going to master it. And the day that you master it, then you've stopped learning. So I think people need to take, that part out of the equation so that they can actually begin to realize that no we won't ever get it done and that is actually it can be a really good thing i'm a i'm a music nerd our listening audience knows this and that really struck a chord with me what you just said and i got a couple of ideas to retort with that one is the great neil pert from the band rush i'm sure you're familiar right oh yes um pretty much it would be easy to say, and unfortunately, we lost him a couple years ago, which was a very sad day. Yeah. Um, but it, even today, as we speak and talk on this this podcast right now, I, I could walk into a room with the right people and say, Neil Pert was the greatest drummer of all time. And a lot of people say, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're totally right. Yeah. Um, and, and Neil would probably tell you, but well, I'm not done. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, but you I'm know, not done. Like, and that's what, that's what made me yeah. think about that because and it's in one of the documentaries on the band, but it's something I read before they even put it on film. Uh, I think the rec- it was the record Moving Pictures. I could be wrong. Neil Pert, they had the album written. They had all the stuff ready to go. They're going to go into the studio, record the album, go on the big world tour because they're rushing. They're awesome, <laughs> right? That's what you do when, yeah. you're, when you're awesome. And Neil went to the band and said, guys, I need a year. And they're like, what are you talking about? We got to go record a record and do an awesome world tour. What you, we're, we're rushed. Come on. We got to go be awesome. And he's like, I want to relearn how to play my drums. I don't feel like I'm playing my drums the right way. That's it. And that's my that's exactly yeah. your point. Of course, the guys in Rush, they're yeah. like, what are you talking about? You're like the best drummer in the world, man. Yeah. But it wasn't good enough for him. Yeah, it's a process. And yeah. and I know for like I know for myself and in, in, within the, even the realm of parapsychology and, and whatnot is that you know, the more, the, the more the doors are opened, especially, uh, you know, in a lot of the research that's coming forward from so many of the universities and stuff right now. Yeah. Um, there's, there, there's just so much more. And I think, I think the, the, the benefit or one of the major benefits to the sci research that's going on is that it is giving us new questions to talk about. And I think as long as people don't stay stuck in 
the sort of ghost hunter television world yeah. that that the popular culture has kind of cultivated. Yeah. There's bigger questions out there and there's there's more things that have been discovered that people just have no idea about. So I, I think once once they can they can kind of remove themselves from from the entertainment side, and the entertainment side is great and it's fun. But when you remove yourself from that and you start to to look at what's actually been out there, I mean, we've just started to unfold, you know, consciousness and and what that is. Yeah, you're 100 percent right, and uh, and the, and you're 100 percent right on that other point too. And, and I mean, it's it's easy to bag on the TV shows, which we've done plenty on the show. Believe me, <laughs> we have. It's it's and it's easy. It's cheap and it's trite. They're an easy you know? mark. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's trite. <laughs> Uh, sometimes, but you know, if, if it's, you know, I mean, if it's, a, if it's a part of a conversation, it's just a part of a conversation. What are you going to do? But that point being said, um, yeah, there, I think, and I mentioned like, I don't, I'm not optimistic, but I'm trying not to be, you know, pessimistic about that, that same idea that we may not learn anything new in our lifetimes if we spend our lives doing this, but you are right that we are starting to discover just fragments through through technology now, we're starting to understand things that by simulating the human brain, you know, with microprocessors and stuff like that. Which basically that's what that's what it, a lot of those a lot of programs do is simulate human human consciousness, human thought on a more fundamental level, right? Um, we're start but we're starting to learn things about our own consciousness about psi through these machines, right? But it's not it's it's a sliver, like and I think that's how you said it. it, it I, I would consider it a sliver, so, but we are making progress. Well, we're right. learning it slightly through AI, but but I would, I would counter that with the fact that a lot of the experiments that are, are being done right now, mm -hmm. the AI and artificial consciousness has not been able to replicate. So, oh, yeah. uh, I think you know, like when we're we're dealing with, say, for example, the observer effect and stuff like that, when they're they're looking at these at these experiments that are are being altered through uh, somebody's observation or their their gaze or their intention or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's, it's going to take people and it's going to take, it, it's going to take that. Cause I don't think we've hit the point with things like AI where, where we're able to, to, you know, shift things in a way that would, would represent human consciousness. So, I mean, I think when, as we, as we kind of move forward, I think we're, we're going to have no choice as people to, but to take a hard look at, you know, our own sense of awareness and, you know, what that means, which is, which I think is pretty cool. Like, I think, I think just the fact that we are a part of the paranormal phenomenon, I think is like unbelievably cool. Oh, it's rad. <laughs> it is super it's so rad. cool. I, it is, it is super cool. And you are right. Uh, you know, the way it's sold to us as people and I know I'm not putting a tinfoil hat on, but, uh, you know, consciousness, well, I'm sorry, like technology, AI, things like that. I mean, the way it's sold to people, like as we sp sit here right now, it's like, oh man, man, it's going to be in a, a year and a half, man, we're going to, you're not going to know the difference between a, an, you know, a, a, a Android, like a real Android uh, and, and a person. And that's when you're really in there and working on stuff like that, we got a long way to go. And that, again, I'm not being negative. I'm being realistic about that, right? We have a long way to go to get to that point. Um, and I don't really want to get, I'm, I'm not sure if I want to be there or not. I've seen the Terminator. Yeah, <laughs> we all know what happened with I Skynet. I know what Skynet like, happened. Yeah. Skynet. You guys are making me a little nervous here. Come on now. I mean, can we just have them do math for us and stuff? You know, the machines do that. That's what computers do. They do math really fast. That's cool. See, I, I need that. Like, yeah, I'm so terrible I. at math. No, I'm so so do I. <laughs> I. I've noticed, I mean, I've been, I, I, obviously, that's what I do for, you know, do for a living. Uh, and, you know, trying to write 
freehand now, like write with a pen and paper. I break a sweat trying to cut a check nowadays. I swear, because <laughs> I've done nothing but use a computer over the years. So, you know, that helps me with in that aspect too. But yeah, I mean, as far as technology and stuff like that's concerned, I, 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 I agree. We have a very long way to go when it comes to that. But I do think it can kind of assist us in research. I mean, obviously we do have, excuse me, the technical side of the field. They just kind of come to me. This thought just came kind of come to me also. You know, we do have this technical side of the field. Uh, and I know there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of debate about this. There, You know, I mean, and I am one of those more naturalists, I guess, now when it comes to doing any, any kind of field work when I actually get out there. Uh, but I know there's people on the other side that do utilize technology. And I see people utilizing, I mean, writing software, writing their own software from the ground up to study this phenomena, study, study ghosts, for example, and try to pick up certain things in the air. And I mean, they're, they're writing, they're writing software into hardware components. Uh, and I think that's absolutely fascinating, which drives that point home. What you said is it's really cool to be a part of, 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 of studying the paranormal like this, when it comes to stuff like that, I'm really proud to be a part of this field because there are people that go that far. That, that are oh, working, yeah. that, that are working that hard. I think it's fantastic. These are, these are the pioneers, you know. Like, um, you know, you get these people in 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 labs like uh, the Cope program at Yale and uh, you know Northampton University and and uh, Oxford and you know, all these people working on these different parapsychology experiments and things. And and I don't think I, I don't think technology is is by any way a hindrance because no. we we've been now able to you know measure areas of the brain, for example, that have have never been looked at before in regards to things like psi and and whatever. Um, Dr. Alexandra Moyer Almeida is probably one of the best examples because his work in South America right now has been all focused around the the fMRI and learning about the brains of mediums. And he's now been able to you know, lay down on the white papers and say, look, like these people are not crazy. This is not schizophrenia. This is not mental illness. This is something completely unique. And it's it's people like that that are going to push this to the level where more, more people take this seriously. And it's eliminating, I think, a lot of that, th- those, those stigmas that people yeah. are afraid of, you know, where they'll go to a doctor's office or something and say like, look, I saw love. I saw my loved one who just passed away or normally they would turn around and say, Oh, you're just, you're just coping badly. You know, you're just, you're take doing this, this take wrong. this pill and make you feel yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's got to be eliminated. So it's people like that, that, I mean, they're going to push this into the next realm. It's been amazing to see this just in the last 20 years, which I, which is a very long time when you're looking at it from as a person, but you know, it's a very short time, I think, to see such change. Yeah. Uh, and just 20 years ago, uh, and gosh, we were doing this show at almost 20 years ago now at this point. And even back then, I still was a little nervous about talking about these things with people, like these subjects about UFOs, yeah. about, hey, man, I had an experience. You know, I had, I thought I saw something. I felt something. And that was just 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. Uh, people, there was that stigma you're talking about that if you even mentioned like, hey, I think I saw something in the sky that wasn't an airplane and it was doing like loop to loops and all kinds of crazy stuff. And it wasn't a light pen, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of people even 20 years ago were were scared to talk about stuff like that because there was that stigma and there people are turning around going, you're crazy. You're crazy. Right. Um, and I think. 2021 now 
um, it is a different age. We're seeing not only, you know, uh, it's, well, I mean, there's a lot of change. I mean, people in general, there's acceptance, you know, inclusion and acceptance of a lot of different things now. Uh, gender, you know, obviously gender, all types of things. But also people, and I find this a lot more, I mean, especially in this field, I see a lot, I guess I'm old now. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> say that. I guess I'm getting up there. Um, I'm older than, you know, 20 year olds. So <laughs> it's like, um, I do see a lot of young people coming into this field though. Lots of young people coming into this field. And I think that's really cool because they bring new ideas. They bring new perspectives. And gosh darn it, they're coming into this field now when I think it's a better time than it was. Not, and it's not like, you know, back, back in my day, I was two, well, two miles up road or whatever. And it's not like that at all. <laughs> but I think it's a better time now. It's a little easier now. Oh, I agree. To talk about I these things. Yeah, I yeah. completely agree. And I think, I think a lot as... A lot of conversation and whatnot in other areas has has helped to open those doors. Like I even remember twenty years ago, my my business partner at the time, Stephanie, uh, she founded Entity Seeker with me, and that was was twenty years ago. And yeah. I remember her like you know going to work and being nervous about mentioning it, and then when she did mention it, she immediately, oh, you're evil, or you're like had this really backward stigma to it. But now you know we've we hear words like autism more we hear more I, I, I guess the the brain we understand that the brain is not shaped the same way for everybody yeah um there, there's new information that's become more accepted like i i could probably count on one hand when i was a kid the number of times i heard the term autism yeah. you know it just wasn't talked about 20 years ago it just wasn't and so i mean when even when steph and i founded entity seeker you know it was just there's no way you know you'd hear 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 discussion like that other than if you know you were out looking in the medical dictionaries yeah. but now it's like we're we're becoming a little bit more aware that you know just because somebody else has an experience that you didn't have or you're perceiving something that someone else didn't doesn't mean it's wrong yeah well and it's it's that's something i heard uh, from a from, in an interview with a musician for another musician that I looked up to. I mean, uh, I was reading his interview years ago, and it's one of the things this guy said that stuck with me. And he's like, he's like, let's talk about the idea of what mental illness is for a second. He kind of got and went down this trip, and um, his point really was like, obviously, if you're a danger to yourself and others, I understand that you may need to get some help and kind of be separated from the herd, so to say. Right? Nobody wants to deal with that. However, um, if you have a different viewpoint on something um, or your observations may be a little different and heaven forbid they may be where, yeah, they may be eccentric or obscure. Um, people have been locked up for things like that, having different ideas. Well, this, I think the sky's purple and not blue. I mean, that's just an example, right? Yep. But I mean, at one time in this country. Just in the U.S., you could say something like that, and if somebody wanted to, they could say, well, hey, man, you're obviously not seeing things correctly. We need to get you some help <laughs> right? Yeah. and put you right away. Go ahead. Totally. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because in my, in my classes, I often use the example of my, my python. I've got a snake at home and I've had him for 17 years. And, you know, he, he's, he's incredible because he, 
is he's he able is able to to see in the thermal heat um he's able to i mean his strikes are faster than the human body is even capable of it's a ball, of, ball of python ball python he, right he's a ball python yeah, yeah. and yeah, i saw a picture he's, like, yeah i know yeah yeah and he you know he's he's able to do these absolutely incredible things like like taste the air for scents and yeah. know which direction that's coming from and i use him as an example often because you know, you'll point to somebody that's having, you know, that that's denying somebody's experience or something like that. And you say, okay, are you going to deny his experience that you can taste a smell just because you can't do that? It's like, it doesn't make his experience wrong. It makes it different. It's different different than yours. And so I use him, I use him to teach quite a bit because he's just like a little superhero. It's crazy. The abilities he's got, Yeah, but, um, but he perceives the world in a completely different way. And I think that's how they're they're beginning to understand and to realize that people are exactly like this. Um, you know, that we do perceive energy, our eyes, our brains translate energy and light and, and whatnot. And we do it different. Like a, a great example was that the golden blue dress that was all over the internet for a while, you know, half the people arguing about it's gold and the yes. other half is arguing, no, it's blue. And it's yeah. like, no, you're not wrong. Is how you perceive it, and perception yeah. is everything. I mean, everything. that's one thing I learned years ago. Was a state that statement alone and sums a lot of this stuff up. Is yeah, perception. your perception will determine your reality. Perception, ultimately, perception is everything. I have to, I have to take us off into the weeds for a second here. Uh, I actually had a ball python, a female ball python, for twenty four years. So oh I, wow! I, I, I find uh, well, snakes in general and reptiles in general uh, just as fascinating as you do. Um, and I'm, I'm glad they are little superheroes. Um, they're amazing creatures. Yeah. She was with me for 24 years at the, at the time was over half my life when we, you know, she, and she got very old and you know, that's they, sometimes they have, you know, we had to, we had to, I hate to say it. We, she was very sick, Yeah, <laughs> you know, we don't, but you know what, we know what we had to do. Uh, she's uh, but yeah, Astrid was her name. So yeah, we're going to go into weeds there whenever, I don't know too many people these days that actually, um, you know, that actually, uh, partner with snakes uh, not a lot of people want yeah. to do it anymore it's it's kind of an old hobby I, I had the hobby when i was very young and so it's nice to hear nice to meet somebody who actually has a a partner that's a snake that's really oh, cool. oh totally well he, and he's he's so amazing because you know he he's teaching me stuff constantly and yeah. he's so in tune with everything around him and he is so in tune with emotions and reading emotions and yeah. understanding that that energy and it's i mean he's just been an absolute joy for me but man like you 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 get schooled on what it is to be tuned in tapped in turned on and and understand joy because like he's just a little ball of happy yeah and you know and he he reminds me all the time you know every time i'm with him that it's like no 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 like watch your energy watch your energy because you know he's looking and listening all the time so it's he's and they yeah, can fantastic feel they, and they can feel that they really totally. can um, you know, we, we, we became cat people around here, <laughs> so we have a cat. Also now. good to be. Yeah. And they're, and they're, uh, and I'm learning a lot from, from Rollins, our little cat we have now. He's a good little yeah. boy and he, and Amber, uh, the other co the other host of this show, she always, uh, she yells at me because every once in a while I might raise my voice a little bit and she's like, you know, the baby, what do you, t- <laughs> watch your mouth. <laughs> and I'm like, but he can, you can really tell like, 
if I if I get loud about something, he will kind of look look back at me and kind of walk away, like just kind of distance himself. Like, what's your deal, dude? I don't want to deal with you. And it, I mean, if you're getting loud, that's pretty obvious. There's an, there's an energy coming off you, but I'm sure he feels something also, right? Yeah. Well, I think I think animals they're they're so they're so unwilling to be miserable, <laughs> you know, where people are are really really willing to be miserable. We we put up with negative emotion way too easily and you're way right. too much. Yeah. And animals are just not willing to do that they won't go there with you and you know and the cats are such a great example because yeah. they just have a mind of their own and they're not out to please anybody but but themselves but, themselves. but, yeah, they but don't care. It, it's a good thing though because it, it's you know it it's a lesson for us to be like you know are you being disciplined enough with your thoughts and your emotions and what you're creating in your world to to feel good how disciplined are you in feeling good and they'll tell you <laughs> just leave. <laughs> and that's a really interesting idea. And I'm sorry, we haven't talked too much about the paranormal stuff here, but I believe it all does tie together, right? It absolutely does. And and, and that idea you just postulated to me is fascinating because I think we've all met, we've all met and we could, and they're easy to talk about. I'll tell you that too. Uh, people that, and I, I, it was a friend, not, well, a person years ago that another friend was talking about, I remember this guy said, it's just something else that just stuck with me. He's like, that person is not happy unless they're completely miserable. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, you just sum that up like that. That's what, that's what that person is. And I've often thought about that. Like, why does somebody want to feel that way? Why, what, what drives you to feel that way? What, as opposed to just having fun or having at least fun thoughts all the time or having happy thoughts. I don't I think I think ahead. sometimes that people are mistake mistake their misery for power. I think sometimes you have people that mistake either being of being the victim, which is where often it stems from, um, being You're the right. victim as a place of empowerment. And it's it's a weird it, it's a weird I guess it's it's a weird trade-off because when you, you look at somebody who's pretending to be a victim, it's like obviously they're saying that they're not empowered you know, poor me, I'm not empowered, but yeah. at the same time, it puts them in a position of, you know, you've got to pity me or you've got to do what I say in order to make me happy. And if my environment is not right, then I can't be happy. And it's a really dangerous place to go. We With, with psi phenomenon, it's interesting because especially with PK, you see PK tied to uh, uh, either ne like negative emotion, like frustration, like pent up energy, uh, or you see it tied into to happier emotions, like really, really happy emotions. So it's, I, I think when we talk about emotion, we talk about people's state of mind, it really is the crux of paranormal phenomenon to begin with, it like cross the board. So, I mean, in order for us, to, I think to, you know, you look at somebody who is so insistent on being a victim and then they can't figure out why all these things in their life aren't working. And yeah. it, it, I think it puts them in a place where they, they, they can check out. It puts them in a place of power for, to remove themselves from situations that would either be challenging to them or um, it'll, it allows them to take a backseat in their own life. You're right. Uh, and, and I think that that statement, the power, the idea of power, I think that's a big piece of it nowadays. And I, you know, I'm not going to run down any rabbit holes with that either, but we do. I mean, there is something called victim culture. You know, and yep. some people, hey, look, I, I'm with, I'm with some groups. Like, okay, you got a right to be pissed. <laughs> Absolutely, you got a right to be pissed, yeah. and that's cool. And let's work together and figure something out here. Um, 
but you know, I'm finding, especially you know, with all the time a lot of a lot of people seem to have in 2020, we we found some new trends that came about, and it is this idea that's called victim culture, right? And it is the idea of of just flying off the handle about any little thing, and and I know things are changing. I've already said that the world is changing, right? But sometimes. It's not going to change fast enough for some people. Some pe- some people can't move that quick, and especially people like me. We're getting older. We don't move as fast. Our brains don't work as fast, right? <laughs> so I think there needs to be a little bit, you know, when it comes to the what I refer to as this victim culture thing. I've seen I've seen people personally fly off the handle for very very little things, yeah. uh, and and scare the living hell out of people around them. You know, people going do what? Okay, just okay, and, and that's you're right. I think some people may actually. I hate to use this term, but get off on the power a little bit, right? Because um, well, it's yeah. easier to make other people wrong, right? Like if yeah. if you're if you're upset, instead of we we really really as as a as a people in general, uh, as as humans, we we need to really examine where we are getting our happiness from. Yeah. Are we getting our happiness because we are in command of our thoughts and we can choose the thoughts that are going to make us happy? Or are we really in that position where the things around us are dictating our emotions and our reactions? And that's a very powerless place to be. Yes. And people make that mistake. They think, you know, oh, if I get really angry about this thing, then, you know, I'm going to be in power about this thing. I'm going to be just really, really, really mad. And when you're in anger, that is one of the most powerless positions you can put yourself in. So if people will get, they, they get that mixed up. They think if, you know, if I'm really angry about this thing and I get really riled up about that thing, that it's going to put me in this position that I'm going to be able to, you know, make change and, and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, it's okay to be angry, but you have to be able to then get yourself into an emotional alignment with a solution because the vibration of the solution and the problem are two different things. So you're never going to find the solution to the problem in the solution in the same vibrational energy yeah. as the problem. It's just two different things. Well, it's a short, I think, I think the, the victimization type thing, it's a very short term idea. It's, it's short sighted. Um, and, and cause you, I mean, and you said this a few minutes ago, uh, you keep doing that and you keep running into situations and you keep blaming everybody else for all the situations you're in and keep making yourself the victim. And I've seen it happen. It's just a snowball effect, right? Before you know it, uh, you know, everything's a complete mess where a lot of times, and I do believe that, you know, it isn't a matter of the situation is not the problem. It's how you respond to the situation, right? And what I've learned over the years too, is that when you find something to really complain about the universe, I promise will send you more to complain about. And I think (laughs) every time, and if you want to be the victim, there's no problem in that either. Every, there are people that will accommodate that too. And you don't want to meet those people. You know, if you want to be a victim, you're going to find the people that will make you a victim. Oh, it's, yeah. it's not it's not good. And, no, yeah, you know, that's why I think, you know, one of the practices that I, I would send my clients through and my students and, and all of that is, is the process of gratitude. And it's it's like you got to find whatever you can and milk it for as much gratitude and appreciation as you possibly can because unless you unless you can get yourself there, you're no, you're going to be ineffective at, at making any sort of change. I agree. There is the other side of this, though, too, that I'm, I was thinking about also here. And it's different, but the same. I think it's, it, it's an interesting idea. It's something, I mean, I mean I, another friend, we talk a lot about this. Um, and it's the idea of being voluntarily uncomfortable, right? Um, 
and I don't know if you're familiar with it. I'm sure you are. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just about putting in work. <laughs> it's all the idea is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things also, I think it does tie in with this other idea where like this idea of how you respond to things and, and playing the victim. Um, a lot of people, that's what we refer to it as is this idea of being voluntarily uncomfortable and yeah, kind of sucks. <laughs> not that much fun. A lot of times. Um, I'm not a huge fan of working. I'm not. A, I'm not a big fan of it. I haven't been a big fan of it for a lot of years. But I've been doing it for a long time. I tell you that, right? Because I. I do understand that. You know, we do live the, the how our society is constructed and how things are done. This is what you do to sustain yourself. Is it my first choice? No. Um, is it always fun? Absolutely not. But it's what I do to take care of myself and my family, right? And other things too. I mean, just simple things like exercise and stuff like that. Um, not exactly the most pleasant thing to do, uh, but it's good for you. Makes your mind feel good afterwards too. I do enjoy it myself. So there is this idea too, uh, that, and I tell this to people that are in the same position that you were talking about a second ago. People that um are wondering why the world, you know, why the universe is, is spitting on them at every second. It's like, well, sometimes, you know, maybe you need to make yourself voluntarily uncomfortable for a while and put some work in and you will see some of those benefits, I think, you know, well, and you, you can be part of success. A part of the journey to success is, is going, is going to be outside your comfort zone. Everything that is going to be, that is going to be what you deem is successful is is outside of that comfort zone like i know for myself like i mean i've been entrepreneur since oh god i was i guess 18 and uh, it's been a long time and uh you know when when i actually earlier than that but you know when i when i started i mean i started with nothing like i start i was homeless i was you know i was a i was bullied i was like it was ridiculous yeah and you have you you have to get to this point where you know if you if you want success that you have to be okay with two things you have to be okay with the unknown and you have to be okay with like you were saying being uncomfortable because it's all there's always going to be that that risk factor there and that's where you really have to fall back on what we were talking about before which was appreciation and gratitude there and, you go. and really begin to focus in in that way because yeah. even when I, we've got clients that are you know if if I've got or students or whatever that come to me with, with questions about hauntings or, or whatever, it all comes back to the same thing. It's you have to be okay with the unknown. You have to get okay with it because we're, there's always going to be somewhere in, in, in your, your experience contrast that is going to be asking you to create more. So you got to get okay with the fact that there's going to be contrast and you know what you don't want, you know what you do want. And it, until you can get okay with that and not freak out every single time that something happens that is contrast to what you want, then you're really going to be stuck. You're never going to get what it is you're dreaming about. A lot of people equate the unknown as a general term to death. That's one of the problems I think people have with stepping out of their comfort zone is just that is the idea that the unknown it's the unknown. And to a lot of people, the unknown means, means death. It means it also means that there could be failure in there, which we both know there is. There that that can very well happen. Yeah, People fail. There will be. You, you you I do it. Everybody's done it, right? <laughs> um, there is failure there. And I think some people are afraid to fail at things too. Um, oh, absolutely. I've had I've had so many people over the years, you know, they've they've you've seen my success in, in television and magazines and and in teaching and, and all of these different things. And and I've I've had I've been blessed with a really, really great platform. Yeah. Um, you know, but they've they've said, you know, oh, I'm so jealous of your success. And I'm like, 
you don't understand. <laughs> I've failed more times than you have failed ever. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's 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 real. But it's it's how you frame it, you know. And and every time I've got like I've, I'll have like five projects in the go, and two will work, and then the other three will just fall by the wayside. Like I can count a million projects that I've had in my head or that I've tried to execute, and they just haven't worked. Yeah. Um. And you know, so yeah, you're gonna it, you're gonna fail. There, yeah. there's no way around it. The question is, is how you're gonna frame that failure are you going to frame it as you know this is the end of this is the end of it i always fail how are you going to you know how you tell yourself about that or are you going to turn around and go okay you know what this was this was either a not the path i was supposed to be on or b this this i i acted too soon i i wasn't lined i didn't line my energy up i wasn't prepared for this how can i prepare better for the well, next yeah, time? yeah exactly what do you learn from it that's the huge yeah. that's the main idea there is what do you learn from it i tell people that people that are that I mentor nowadays professionally and things like that. I'm like, you know, you're going to screw up every day. Get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of the game. I mean, don't screw up really bad. <laughs> I, mean, <don't, laughs> I mean, there's varying degrees of screwing up. I mean, you can make little mistakes and that's all. That's cool. But, you know, but the main thing is, you know, you own it and then you, and you learn from it and you move on. Simple as that. Right. So, I mean, and a lot of people, I think that's, um, that's a hurdle for a lot of a very large hurdle 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 for a lot of people to try to get over or not go over at all when they see that in front of them they say man I don't want to fail so that that idea I think is so painful to some people uh, and I I understand I really do I personally get it as I've been there myself and I know you've been there too uh, but some I think I guess you know and I didn't want to turn this show into a motivational thing <laughs> but pretty <laughs> rad though uh, but I think that's what people need to look at and get into that idea of being voluntarily uncomfortable. And that's what yeah, a big well, piece and it's, of it. it all ties back into the unknown uh, where, yeah, you know, yeah, know. It, when we're, I'm actually on my uh, the podcast that I'm going to be launching here in October. One of the, the topics that Mike Brown and I, I talk on is the idea that we have to change the definition of how we are billing the unknown to the public as, as, as paranormal researchers or, or whatever, because What's happening and what I've noticed happened, especially in the last couple of years with all the crazy that's been going on, is that the people don't know what to do with the unknown. So instead of being curious, they become fearful. Yep. And my my thing, especially with the paranormal and and things like that, is we have to be ambassadors of this information, you know, and it's it's all fine, you know, to have the the shows that are, you know, being entertaining and you know, they're being, you know turning off the lights and running around the dark and all that kind of thing. It's, it's fine. It's fine to like label, like, you know, have fun and, and have that as entertainment. Yeah, but yeah. I think it, it's partly having a, an opposite effect where people are, are becoming more fearful of the unknown. And now we've got all of this like real life unknowns popping up around us and people feel like they're out of control. And immediately they start labeling the unknown as evil or bad. And yeah, we've got to scary. start replacing that with curiosity yeah. because if we do that, then all of a sudden, you know, if you've got, say, for example, another culture coming into the society or you've got, you know, something that's going on that's not a haunting, but maybe is, is something that's new to the general population, they can go, oh, hey, wait a minute. Let's find out more about that. Hey, that's kind of freaky. Let's find out more about that. Yeah. And when I was a kid. I had like one of my first paranormal experiences that I ever had is scared the living hell out of me because I was nine. Yeah. Um, but afterwards, that's where my brain went was, was I got to know, I, I got to know and I got to understand this. And yeah. it, that I think made the difference 
for me between you know those two pathways i think it was a curious it's a curiosity for me also i know this started for me when i was very young and it was just the curiosity and i think that's one thing that that people let's say and you you know you mentioned the unknown and it is it is teach people to be more curious i think this i think at one time we i mean i think a lot of the greatest things that 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 people have created or invented uh, were because someone was curious about something, right? Or maybe they made a mistake or something like that. But it usually comes from the idea of being curious about something and wanting to explore a certain headspace of something, right? And I don't see that. I mean, I and I, I'm not trying to generalize, right? But it seems like that the reaction is what you say. I agree. Where it's more run the other way and fear and get away from it. It's scary. We don't know where it is. So let's get away from it as opposed to going, hey, well, let's check that thing out. What is that? Well, you know? and fear quickly turns into hate and yeah. hate and anger becomes that sort of self-righteous hate and anger that we were talking about at the beginning yeah. of the show yeah. where people are putting down somebody else for having a different experience. And yeah. like I've, and you've, I'm sure have seen it as well. Just, I mean, as social media is such a hornet's nest for that, Ugh. where, you know, if you've got somebody who is having a different experience, immediately you've got 10 people that'll attack them and say like, you know, that didn't happen to you. You're a liar. Yeah. And it's like, hold on a minute. Like, you know, everybody is, is creating their own reality at the best of times. Yeah. So, you know, we can't, we, we, we can't have that, have that way about us, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're sitting at this, at this, I think, crucial point in, in humanity and understanding where we we've got to really start to look at, you know, this, we really do create what we expect and we got to take a hard look at our paradigms and a hard look at our expectations. Um, and that's ultimately what's going to determine, you know, the reality that each individual is experiencing. It's not going to ever be a blanket reality. There are certain pieces of reality that everybody can agree on, Yeah, but it's not a blanket reality. And I mean, hell, I mean, the scientists can't even determine, you know, necessarily time, right? Like we're not even agreement on time yet. Like we're, we're talking about linear time, nonlinear time, all the, like we're, we're, back there scientifically so yeah. the idea that everybody is having the same experience is just crazy to me well the, well, the problem we have with with reality and, and nature and things like that and it's something another thing i learned many years ago from a mentor was the more you learn the more you learn you don't know anything <laughs> right? that's it and uh, yeah just a, just tonight a construct like time where some people say, well, come, you know, time is a man-made thing and whatnot. Oh, and maybe, maybe it is. It's a construct that people thought up so we could get to work somewhere at the same time or I'll be there at the same place. <laughs> we, yeah. how, if you take time out of it, it's kind of hard to even discuss. But, you know, it's, it could be just something that we invented and that time is just – it's something that – it's just – it's a construct by people and it means really nothing outside of that right uh well and we know that time speeds up when we're having a good time time actually slows it, down when we're not having a good time you, you feel you know it. you feel it you feel it's it painful. and it's, it's measurable yeah. so i mean you know this the idea that time is linear i mean it, that's just it's just simply not true and i mean yeah. it like you were saying we need some sort of a system so that i can well, yeah. show up and talk to you on an interview well, yeah that's how we got here today i mean we, yeah. hey, what time you want to do that? okay great sounds good to me all right great and i mean yeah we that's how we got here i mean so we, we it it's a very useful tool that was built completely it's but fantastic. it's a tool but it's a tool it's a tool and it that's may not it. it may not mean anything outside of what how it was originally designed 
You know, I mean, that's just my point, right? I mean, but I mean, time itself, we do know that, you know, relativity and things like that, there is this idea that time as we know it can speed up or slow down depending on how fast you go, depending on gravity. There's a lot of things that go into that. So the whole point of this really is the more you learn, the more you learn, you don't know anything. Well, (laughs) yeah, and it goes back to what we started talking about originally, which is, you know, these people that that feel like they've hit a dead end with with the paranormal. And and it's like, we just haven't. There's so much. And as soon as you start digging into it, like there was a, 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 a recent uh, edition of uh, the advances of parapsychology uh, the 10th edition just came out this past year and yeah. uh it was it was a phenomenal textbook and it, it's definitely not light reading but <laughs> but um it's it, it's so brilliant and it's so mind opening and we've come so far i think so much further than what people really understand in terms of what they're what they're seeing on television you know they're they're beginning to understand you know how mediumship works and it has to do with things like memory cells and and quantum physics and like it's just it's crazy the amount of information that is now there that people say oh no it's just all nuts and you know we're we we haven't explained it yet well no it's it's there like it is there but people aren't aren't going far enough and stretching themselves far enough to to actually get into this and realize that a lot of this stuff is now being you know not only theorized but worked out in the in in the labs and and things like that yeah and i think no, no. By by nature, you know, you said nuts and bolts, and I think by nature, people just want psi research, ESP, things like that. I want to understand it on a technical level more than anybody does. But I frankly don't think at this point, maybe, and again, this is, we're talking about, this is all theoretical what we're talking about here, but I, I think it isn't going to be, it's not going to be that simple. I've been no, saying well, this for a while now. Ghosts, let's just talk about ghosts, for example. They may just be a force in nature that we simply just cannot understand yet. Maybe we'll find some way to understand it down the road, right? But I don't, I mean, to try to understand it on that nuts and bolts level, like you try to understand how a car works, I don't think it's that easy. I don't think it's that simple. No, and I think I think you're right. And I think, too, people have negated the the power of of our own, mind our own ability to produce psychokinesis like one of the one of the big things in uh the advancements book uh that really caught me was the the discovery of just how pk works and how it can be how it can store up in objects and how the decay effect applies and there's so much now that they know about our our minds and how we're you know how this is possible yeah and how that's working and you know i i think for like for me that's that's some of the most amazing stuff and then of course you get into to things like you know apparitions and stuff like that and yeah. i mean sometimes it feels like we're still back at square one it does it does because obviously you cannot predict any of this and that's what that's always been the big thing i mean and we've all been, i know i've been here before where i've been with people like well i thought i was gonna see a ghost tonight and i'm like um it don't work that way. No, <laughs> there's nothing that we can't predict anything. It's still, and that's to your point. It's, it's still at that point in some areas where there are a lot of amazing things happening right now. A lot of amazing research is happening, but we're still, in my opinion, still at that point where we can't predict anything yet. It's still, if you, if you happen to see something or get something on film or maybe record something with some audio, fantastic, but it's nothing you you can predict. It can't be repeated in the lab, let's say. 
right? Yeah, well, and what's interesting, I, th- I think what people don't understand, especially a lot of skeptics, that, like the militant skeptics that really don't understand the that their own state of mind is dictating the experience that they're having. So the people that are you know, in resistance about it that are turning around and saying, well, I don't believe it. I want to see it before, you know, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. You've got it backwards. It's, you have to believe it. And then you're going to see it. You have to be in a state of allowing, um, like statistically, most apparition appearances or paranormal experiences happen when people are in a state of least resistance, whether it's watching TV or they're doing something monotonous, you know, and they've, they've let go and they've let their mind go enough. And then something happens. Um, I had an incident actually just recently at my place and that's exactly what happened i was i just came out of meditation and i like heard something in my living room that was moving that shouldn't have been moving (laughs) and it was it was so cool but it was one of those things where you know i completely understood why it happened when it did and so these these people that come into this and they think like you know well i don't really believe in this and this is stupid and blah blah whatever and it's like okay you are literally you are literally denying yourself the option when uh they do uh, the Gansfeld experiments and things like that in the yeah, labs. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the first things they do is they 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 get people into a state of meditation. Usually, they use either something like hemisync or they use um, like water sounds or something like that. But it's a, the the people who statistically do really well in in receiver experiments or Gansfeld experiments or anything like that are the people that come in who are a little more outgoing. They're open minded. They tend to be you know generally kind of happy people. Yeah. Um, they're they're positive. They're open minded. You know, there's there's a a specific set of, of of personality traits of people who do really really well in these experiments and the people who come in and are like this is stupid, or I don't believe this is going to work typically do really poorly. So even, even in the lab, you know, you're looking at a very specific set of characteristics and, you know, you're never, ever going to get the experience you want if you don't believe you can have it. Yeah. I mean, and that can be repeated, which is a cool thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Can it can. And, and consistently. Yeah. And it's all, and that's, uh, goes to me, it all goes back to perception and it's, it's mm-hmm. all goes back to perception. Perception is everything. I do want to talk. I'm sorry. To, I'm, I, I hate switching gears so hard, but I'm having so much fun talking about this stuff. I did want to talk about directly about teaching the living. It's a sure. program. It's your program called teaching the living, which I think we probably have talked about some of this stuff already, but I want to hit this head on now teaching the living. Uh, uh, obviously let's talk about the programming. What, what's it about without giving too much out there, I guess. Yeah, so the the idea was that Steph and I first started uh, Entity Seeker Research and Teachings. We we began to notice patterns with the people that we were we were talking with and the clients that we were taking and, and whatever. And we we began to notice something really specific, which was the people who were getting the negative phenomenon and the stuff that they they were like, I can't live with this, um, yeah. were generally sitting in some end of the spectrum of negative emotions somewhere and not to say that they were always having a bad day but they were predominantly hanging out in in one of the emotions of the that that emotional spectrum and when we noticed the people who were getting the things that they really wanted like experiences where uh you know they were getting visits from loved ones or they were just having a lot of fun with it like the stuff that was happening to me just recently um things that were like really cool really fun 
And uh, they were generally you know, in the happier end of, of that emotional spectrum. Like it wasn't that the, that they were you know never having a bad day, but they were processing that bad day. They they weren't hanging on to it, and they had a, an environment and a life that set them up for success in whatever whatever was going on. And when we realized that, we realized there was such a direct a direct conversation that was going on between the the energies around us and what they were creating and we we sort of designed this this example of of a radio dial and we began to realize that our our lives and our experiences both in the paranormal and in real life are very much the same where if you're dialed in to say the emotion of anger most of the time you know you're going around just you're 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 pissed off you're frustrated and you've got stuff going on in your head all the time yeah the the energy that you're tuning into the experiences that you're tuning into will reflect that in almost a mirror type fashion and it's not that people are going around thinking you know well i'm so angry i'm going to have a horrible haunting in my house that's not what they're thinking <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> they're tuning into the experiences that match that energy so often you'll get a you'll get somebody who's who's typically in that state of being and then you the haunting that's going on around them is reflective of that anger and it's it's really interesting so what we realized was that the the object of the game had nothing to do with the haunting itself. It really didn't. The object of the game was to get people to understand that they have to tune in to a new signal. So if you think about it like a radio dial, you're tuning your emotion into a new channel. And when you tune out of one channel, as we know on a radio, we tune out of one channel, you can't hear that channel anymore. The channel you left is no longer on your radio. And that's typically what happens with these hauntings as well. You start to turn that radio dial and all of a sudden you end up receiving different things, different activity, different different responses in relationship to where you are on that emotional scale. The catch is, is that people have to be willing to do that work. And oftentimes people don't want to do the work. And it comes back to our conversation about wanting to be the victim. Yeah. Are people really ready for that change? That's another question. But you'll see these people move from house to house to house to house. They'll move all over their, their country trying to get away from what is going on and you kind of have to break the news to them that you know the you're taking it you're with the, you because you're it's you you're the problem yeah and and it's not that it's in their head it's not that they're you know they're lying about the activity it, they're not making it up it's happening but until they do that work to get themselves off of that they're they're never ever going to see lasting change ever so it's it's really interesting, and I ended up writing a book on it because people were asking me about this so much, and uh, and I ended up writing the book, teaching the living from heartbreak to happiness in a haunted home, mm. and uh, because it, it's it's such a crucial understanding of of how this stuff works. It's it really kind of, it, yeah it ties right in with what we were talking about earlier. I guess this was wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I thought we were just in the weeds the whole the whole time we were talking here, but it, not it, at all. It, it it all does tie in. Uh, and you you hear about you know these hauntings to get direct. I mean you hear about that specifically. You hear about people that yeah they do go from one place to one place to another place and they keep experiencing the same phenomena, right? Uh, yeah, and sometimes it'll come down through families where people will say, well, my grandmother experienced this, my mother experienced this, and now it's me. You know, we must be cursed. No, you've just learned a bad habit of thought. Um, and because the way we think, we learn from our – oftentimes we learn from our parents until we can break that break that cycle. You know, we, we, 
we carry the different, you know, I guess vibrational states and, and mental states that we that we learn about. So it's like, yeah, you're right. The rest of the family did experience this. It doesn't mean you do. It doesn't mean you have to. You, yeah. you can break that. Um, I guess the question I have, and this, this could, we could probably talk about this for another four hours, probably is, I guess, what are some of the ways if you if you could if you know of. Um, that you can you can retrain yourself, I guess. This is easier said than done. I know that, right? It is. And the first thing is, is you've got to you've got to be willing to do the work. You, you've really got to be ask yourself: Are you that sick and tired of what's going on that yeah. you are sick and tired enough of what's happening that you're willing to change? Because there's there's a few stages to readiness, and unless you're in that final stage of like I am so sick and tired of myself that. <laughs> I'm willing to do whatever it takes. So I think that's really the first thing. And then the next thing is just to, to really take a look at at you know are are you living are you living what you want to live? It, you know, if you could wave a magic wand, what would your life look like? What what would you be doing? Or would you be picking up painting again? Would you be you know uh, you know going for more walks? Would you be what would you do? What can you do? right now to do the little things to start to improve that. Yeah. Um, I myself, I do a lot of journaling, like a lot of journaling, but I think people often, they journal the wrong way. They, they journal how much of a bad day they've had. Yeah. <laughs> They'll pick up their journal and be just like, you know, I had like the worst day, blah, 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 blah. And all you're doing is creating momentum with that. You're just creating, you're putting more energy into what you don't want. And what we resist persists. So we, we can't do that. Um, and so oftentimes it's just a matter of sitting down to start the process is to just find five things to be appreciative of just five things, do it every day, hold yourself accountable to five things every day. And you can slowly start to retrain your brain because you know, if you know, you're going to be accountable for those five things at the end of the day, you start looking for those things as you go through your day and then your list gets a little bit longer, but there's, so there's little things that you can slowly start to do that will, will shift your, your emotional center. Um, But ultimately it's really a matter of, you know, how tired of you are, uh, you know, that, that you're living this way. And, you know, at what point, are you going to choose happiness because your environment is not going to change before you do, you've got to do it first. So you will see different. Once you start doing the work, you can't start relying on external circumstances because you won't get it. No, you won't. And I mean, that's, that's to me, a great plan. Even if you aren't experiencing a haunting or something like that, it applies to everything. It applies to everything. It's just a healthy way to live. Um, do more things. I mean, do more. I think that's a big problem too. And I know this is a pitfall I have. I I can, I can, I can say this with full transparency. I put myself through a lot of stuff. I shouldn't have to put myself through and I should, or I should say, I put myself through a lot of things. I shouldn't, I shouldn't put myself through (laughs) period. I I did say it right. Um, There's a lot of stuff. I mean, I know I have a, a trait where I don't allow myself to relax unless I do a, a certain amount of work or do a certain amount of things that I find, you know, that going back to that idea of being voluntarily uncomfortable, right? Yep. I do a certain, I, I, it's a certain threshold that only I understand. And I have to get to that certain threshold. And then I say, okay, now you can go have a beer. Now you can go listen to a record. Now you can go lay down and read your book or something, whatever, whatever, you know, some the, the pleasurable things, right? Uh, and that is, while it's a healthy 
it's a good work ethic. I understand that. It's where it rooted from. I think to me, it's starting to become a little bit of an issue because I get yelled at it by now going, would you just sit down already? You've done enough for one day, Scott. Stop. (laughs) So uh, it's, it's one of those things. I think we all have, we have those, those, we, I mean, not triggers, but we, I think we all have those traits like that where you, you just go a little too hard on something that you shouldn't go so hard on. Well, right? well, we've glorified the idea of being busy. And in, in our society, if you're not doing something and you're not sacrificing something and you're not miserable about that sacrifice, then you're lazy. Um, yeah, and, you or, don't, and you don't deserve to relax. And, you don't deserve that yourself. because you, you know, you should be miserable and you should be all of these things before yeah. you get it's, it's very strange. But it, when we look at one of the things that Steph and I, when we designed this program and when we realized that the value in it is um, we looked at places called blue zones and blue zones are, were designated by national geographic, a, a journalist, freelance journalist. And he, his task was to go and find the happiest places in the world. Um, and he ended up coming back with a list and the list is growing steadily all the time because now countries and whatnot are actually looking at turning their locations into these blue zones, but they had, they all had nine factors. So there was places like I carry a Greece, Okinawa, Japan, uh, Loma Linda, California. Uh, there's it's, oh, tons of them out there. And each one had nine factors, which they called the power nine. And the, it, Every single one of them had to do with, you know, people having a really good support system. They, you know, had the leave when they needed leave from work. Um, They were, they prioritized uh, their own spirituality and family. They had, uh, they, they just prioritized joy. And what was so interesting about that is not one of these places, not one of the, the, the number, the power nine and not one of these places prioritized money. Money was not on the list. And some of these places were as broke as hell like (laughs) they were broke as hell but you would go into a restaurant at any time of the day and you'd find people just breaking out and dance just because they're just happy and what was so interesting to us about this was that when we started to look at the haunting phenomenon about and what was going on in and around that area is that their outlook on it was completely different so these places that were, you know, we're normally in the West, we're talking about something that's scary and horrifying and, oh, it's terrible, you know, it's a terrible thing, it's haunted house. They looked at it as connection with non-physical, connection with themselves, connection with loved ones, um, uh, a spirit, spiritual practice, a spiritual experience, yeah. um, and something that was, that was deeply connected. It was something that you wanted to have. It was very, very different. And uh, it was so interesting to see that dynamic so that when you brought these ideals to them, about this scary, horrible, negative haunting, it's it just it they couldn't figure it out. It's like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's weird, um, yeah. you know. And so you could see just in just in those cases the the dynamic difference that you know state of mind makes and how well, you, how, how you yeah, and that and that that's your perception again keeps falling back to perception. We Every perceive, time. we perceive it one way, they perceive it a different way. Uh, you don't have it sounds like they don't have that pressure. I think, and you're right, I think, especially in the U.S., and I've heard this from plenty of people from all over the world, friends, people I've worked with, friends of mine, and they all say the same. They're like, you guys work too damn hard over here. You guys just work too damn hard. Why do you guys put yourself under so much pressure all the time? Why are you doing this to yourself? You guys wonder why your relatives are dropping dead before they're 65. Well, because you guys are just putting all this stress on you all the time. You guys need to fix that. What's wrong with you yeah. guys? <laughs> you know, and I'm well, like, yeah. you're right. You're right. We, we are. We do that to ourselves. 
We do. And I mean, I can even count like when, uh, when Entity Seeker was, was really getting going, I was, I was contracted to, to write a, a, a classroom for a, uh, this, this sort of moving class on a, a, a tour bus. And we were going to these different haunted locations and I was teaching at each of these locations. It was, it was great. Yeah. And what was interesting is like, I was, you know, I was, I was paid well for it at the time. And even my ex and his family, they saw me as lazy because I only worked on the, like basically the weekends because that was when people wanted to do this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but automatically it was, oh, you're lazy, you're lazy. And I'm like, I'm, you know, this is entrepreneurship, like, yeah, yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm working all the time on, on the business and, and the this business. This is a nine to five whatever. thing. It's not. Yeah. Not, but because I was pursuing what I wanted and pursuing my passion and, and what I was, what I was looking towards doing immediately, it gets labeled as, as you're lazy because you're not, you're not sacrificing and miserable. Well, that, and that's another thing. That's another thing we frown upon here in the U S too. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not bagging on my country. I, I love where I live, but we do have these issues. Another thing we have an issue with also is is art and pursuing your own thing or trying to do your own thing. In, in Europe, I know uh, there, the art is embraced just as much as it was, you know, 300 years ago. They still feel the same way about it. It's something that's supported. People can make a living on being an artist in, in Europe. Not, you know, not everywhere in Europe, but in, in many places. Uh, in the U.S., we we both know. <laughs> yeah. uh, and Canada, too. And Canada, we're yeah, we're Canada. the same boat. Yeah, yeah. Canada, yeah. Uh, it's no different. Art is this thing that it's, it's supposed to be a hobby. Yeah. This is a hobby. This is what you do when you have when you get done putting your seventy hours a weekend with us, right? And yeah. This is what you do. This is a hobby. This is not something that you, you that you should be trying to make money doing. Where are you crazy? And we both know that. Yeah, there are a handful of people that that have that make a living doing it. But it, I mean, proportionally, uh, it's very small. It's very small compared to the rest of us that, yeah, I play music on the weekends because it's fun. I enjoy doing that, right? Am I going to make a living doing it? I can never, I can never imagine that in a thousand years. And because that, that's unfortunately, I think how I, I think we've been conditioned in, yeah, in both these continents, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's because it's the same here where we, you know, as soon, even as soon as the pandemic hit, you know, like uh, people that were at live shows, like myself included, um, and like my family owns a production, big, huge production company here in, in Canada. That's cool. And yeah, and, you know, they they were hardcore hit by, by you know, the, the lockdowns and the shutdowns and, and this kind of thing. And, um, and that was the thing, you know, where immediately we were just like, you know, everybody, all of the people in that industry, it was like, we need support. There is nowhere for us to go. Yeah. And yeah. the, the comments, it was so in, like the comments that were coming back, you know, that you're lazy, you know, you don't want to work. You're just not doing enough. Um, it was, no, this it, is what I do. This is how yeah, I work. <laughs> this, this is making money. Like, and, and yeah, it was it was really interesting to see. And yet at the same time, you know, people had nothing to do in their homes. You know, people were bored. And what did they turn to? They turned to the arts. And it's like, yeah, you know, like, where's the line then? You know, like this isn't a hobby. People are, you know, this this is our, our livelihood and our income and oftentimes a very good one. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's a really interesting mindset that people have about the idea of if you're not if you're not miserable in what you're doing, then you must be doing something wrong. That, and, and it's like, yeah. life is supposed to be fun. We're not supposed to be miserable. I'm learning that more and more as I go along. And I've spent a lot, of, and I won't lie, I've spent a lot of years in that mentality where it's like, okay, I'm trudging away here. 
putting my time in, working hard, and I do enjoy. I do enjoy. I do enjoy and reap the benefits of it. Right, uh, you know, to a certain degree. But you're right. I I I wonder now, all these years later. I, you know, no regrets, right? But it's like, yeah, you know, I probably could have had a lot more fun. I probably could have. You know, I think I think if I really wanted to, I still would have been able to make make the bills. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, and that yeah. was, I think that's what everybody's concern is. I just don't want to be, I don't want to be on the street. I don't want to lose my home. I don't want to lose the car I have. I mean, that's, and again, that's fear. That's that fear. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to be one to jump up on a soapbox and say, everybody quit their jobs. We're going on, you know, we're taking it to the streets. But um, I think there has been a certain degree of conditioning over many years for lots of people. And it prevented a lot of people from doing what really would make them happy. I agree. Well, well and you hit the nail on the head when you, when you said fear, because, you know, the, the people that I've <laughs> talked to that have, have, you know, been on that end of things, you know, it's, it's, oh my God, I'm, I'm, it's either I do this job that I really, really hate or nothing. And it's like, I either do this job that I hate or, or I'm going to have nothing and I'm going to be homeless and it's going to be terrible. And, <laughs> and it's, it's a, it's a funny way of thinking, but it's like, they can't quite imagine the idea that, you know, if they take a risk, if they, if they decide they're going to do something, there is this, this great chance. And that's one thing that I've learned about the universe over the years is the fact that, when you, if, if you line up your energy and get yourself into a position of, of positive expectation and you follow up your, your gift, you yeah. follow your passion, the univ- there will be doors that will open that will blow your mind. But yeah. until you kind of make that leap and not to say that you have to quit what you're doing immediately, but when you start to make that leap, man, the, the stuff that will happen that you can't even fathom will just blow your mind. And and I know like when I first started with with Entity Seeker, uh, with with Steph, I mean, I was at the time I was working out of a call center of all things. And, you know, I was in my off hours, which were not many because I was working about 12 hour shifts. Ugh. And um, oh, it's just it was ridiculous. And I had no place to live. And I was living off of at one point a friend's couch. So I would literally I would be doing these 12 hour shifts and I would get home and I would get you know, I would be like, okay, uh, you know, I've got to, I got to work on this. I have to, I have to know that this is, this is happening. And I made the decision very early on. that I was like, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I want. I'm not going to accept anything less than that because I'm sure as hell not going to be at this call center for another two years. So this is what, this is what's going to happen. And that decision, let me tell you, put the, the, the laws of the universe in on, on notice. Yeah. And stuff started to happen. And lo and behold, it wasn't long before we got our first front page on the Edmonton Journal newspaper. And then, you know, we, we picked up a, a little local television show and then we picked up and all these things started to snowball and happen. And, you know, it was, it was really, really interesting, but it's like, if I hadn't have taken that leap, even though I was on like no sleep and, you know, I was freaking out cause I was trying to find a place to live and all this stuff. Yeah. You know, at the same time, it's like it comes back again. How willing are you ready? How willing are you to change? Are you ready? Are you sick and tired enough of where you are to go to that next level? And only the person can answer that. You you just have to walk through that door. Yep. And I... I, I totally know what you mean. I've I've been there, and <laughs> I think a lot of people have. Some people do walk through your door. Some people don't. That's the difference, right? You have a new podcast that you're working on, or it's coming up. It's coming up, right? Coming up, yeah. We've what's worked, this all? What's it, what's, it, what's it called? 
Supernatural Circumstances. Okay, cool. And I am really excited about this because it's with uh, a friend of mine, Mike Brown from the Dark Poutine True Crime Podcast and yep. uh, here in Canada. And uh, he is, is a really well-loved host. And I, I couldn't ask for a, a better business partner in this because he is, he's got this, this really, really great, you know, open mind and inquisitive mind. And we want to be able to bring cases and bizarre happenings in the universe and not only talk about them with our audience, but give the audience practical applications, practical tools, and get them wondering about the universe in a brand new way. They are not going to walk away from the podcast with nothing. They're going to take something away from it. And it's going to be, it's going to be, a big deal for a lot of people, I think. I'm excited. Outstanding. And is there a website for that? Where can we find that at? Right now, the best place to go, we're we're collecting, we're collecting people on um, facebook.com slash supernatural circumstances. Excellent. And um, it will be available in October on every major podcast platform. So if you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, everything. Excellent. Cool. Where can we find you at directly, Morgan? You could find me at entityseeker.ca. Uh, is my main website, entityseeker.ca, as well as um, facebook.com slash entityseeker. And of course, I'm on Twitter. And all my classes, a lot of my classes, uh, including my spiritual healthcare series, is on youtube.com slash entityseeker. Morgan, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with me here tonight. Um, I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I know I did. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's awesome. And I think we, we took things to a new level today. So it's I, awesome. I, I, I like that. And I think we did too. Thank you. I'd love to do it again. Absolutely. Ghostly Talk. <laughs>